Yeah, so then the dad says to me, she doesn't need an ID. She's my daughter. Oh. You know, I don't know what that has to do with being 21 years old. Why did, did it? Oh, hold on a second. We're rolling. All right. Well, then let's roll. Well, I'm Rich. And I'm Mark. And we are Two, two guys, guys on Block, Block Island. Island. I feel that breeze. It's blowing in off the sea. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Uh, today, we are in the presence of a Block Island legend. He is an icon. He is perhaps, Rich, I would think, one of the most beloved figures out here. And I'm not just saying that to, you know, blow smoke or anything. I, I really feel that, you know, this, this guy is something special. I agree. He's a man everyone knows and everyone loves. And his name is Adrian Mitchell, and he's sitting right here in our studio today. Hi, Adrian. Hi. How are you? Good. Good. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're, it's a pleasure. It's an honor. We're yes. really happy you agreed to come on the show and uh, and have a conversation with us. Totally. So uh, why don't you kick it off? Okay. Uh, so Adrian, we usually ask all of our guests this first question. Um, when did you come to Block Island? How long have you been on Block Island? And um, why did you stay here? I, uh, My parents and grandparents live on Block Island. And we're raised here. So I came from when I was three days old from a hospital in Newport and been here ever since. Really? And so you've never lived anywhere else, always on Block Island? Oh, um, well, I spent about six months off when I was in the Coast Guard Reserve. Okay. But other than that? No. Wow. Wow. And what are your earliest memories of the island as a child? Um, As a child? I remember that the airport wasn't here. It was a dirt landing strip down by the minister's lot. And growing up, I grew up, uh, my parents were farmers, and uh, dairy farmers, and I, uh, my dad died when I was really young, but he taught me how to milk cows. So and how old were you when your dad passed? Eight. Eight years old. So you became, and do you have any brothers or sisters? No. So you're... Uh, I was the only child. So at eight years old, more or less, you became the man of the house. I guess you might call it at least the boy of the house. Wow. <laughs> now, what, what year was this that you started living here, I guess, when you were little? What year were you born, I guess, is the question. <laughs> yeah. <it> is. <laughs> is that okay to ask? <laughs> yeah. Uh, 1943. Wow. And so this, the farm was an actual working dairy farm? It was. And we, you we, so, go, so what did it do for Block Island? You... We have a milk route. Yeah. And my mom and I, and we used to deliver milk to the neighborhood and quart bottles, and we only charge like 20 cents a quart. 20 cents a quart of milk <laughs> and fresh. Until the early 70s. Really? Really? That long? How many customers do you think you had? Oh, uh, probably 10 or 15 when it's prime. Wow. That would be great today. I miss that. Yeah. But- but in those days, we did the barter system. Yeah. Sometimes we would try trade milk and cream for fish. Oh, nice. For cod fish. Yeah. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. 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 How about, many cows did you have? At one time, the most we had was about 15. Oh, that's a... And you would milk them every day? Yep. And then was the milk, was it just raw milk? Or? Well, you put it through a tank with a filter in a tank. Okay. And then we passed... The pasteurization laws in the early 70s. 
and we couldn't afford a pasteurizing plant. So, so that's pretty much what ended the the business. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's pretty neat. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the farm? I mean, was it? Did your family build it, or was it there already? How How old is it? Uh, the house that we were in goes back to the early eighteen hundreds. Wow. On my mother's side. Okay. And th- th- was it built by your family? Um, yeah, on her side, yeah. She was a pain, and her mother was a Mott, and it was built by a Daniel Mott. And, and Mitchell, uh, the... Uh, well, my, when my mother married my dad, my dad lived up on the south off-right side drive. He moved to the net. That was like a big move. In those days, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was going back to like 1940 or so. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's Christine Mange grew up in Providence, and she told me once that her dad went to work in Westerly, and he would send postcards <laughs> because it was too long of a commute. He would drive down there on Mondays and just stay the week, and he, postcards would come in the mail from Westerly. Wow. Yeah. And so, so, but your father, now Mitchell is another name. Is that is the Mitchell name on Settler's Rock? Uh, no. Okay, but but um, the Mott name is, and you're and the Paines are as well, correct? I believe so. Okay. I know the Paines are, and there are other. I've seen there are other Mitchells on the island, though. Yeah, there was several different clans. Okay, so when did the Mitchell clan arrive on Block Island? Do you know that? I don't know the exact year. Oh, okay, I would have to look in Peter Greenman's book. Okay. Oh, he has the history of all that. Yeah. Oh, oh interesting. Okay. I'm gonna write that down. Yeah, write that I'm down. Have to tap that. What other memories do you have of the island as a child growing up? Well, oh, oh going to school here. And what was that like? It was only six teachers in those days. Wow. Who, who, how big was your graduating class? Uh, seven, seven boys. It was all all boys. Yeah, we had to import eggs. <laughs> <laughs> but two of the boys married. A, Two girls that were in the class below them. Oh, okay. Ed Norker and Cliff Mitchell. Okay. Another Mitchell? Uh, distant cousin. Gotcha. I was going to say, what's the relation there? Yeah. And Cliff Mitchell had the house up on the corner of uh, Beach Ave and, yeah. and Center Road? Actually, he grew up on Beacon Hill. Oh. oh okay. It, now, that, though, that was his aunt's house. Okay. Now... Yeah. Oh, uh, what was her name? Virginia, maybe? No, Natalie. Natalie, that's right. I remember her. She worked post office, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, those days in school, I've heard rumors that, like, going way back, and not even to too far ago, like kids would bring their guns to school for hunting afterwards, and they would put their guns right in the lockers and go to to class. (laughs) Yeah, to go pheasant hunting. Yeah. Did were you a hunter? Uh, Briefly. Yeah, can you, uh, can you, uh, excuse me? No, you go right ahead. I wasn't very good at a marksman, so I didn't hunt for too long. <laughs> That's never stopped me. Um, <laughs> That's why I don't go hunting with you. <laughs> well, you know, you yeah. miss a few, you hit a few. <laughs> That's I just, what I'm afraid I, of. I, I, I've heard that, that story about the kids bringing the guns right into school in the morning and putting them in their locker and, you know, going to school. Just like they'd bring their skateboard these days or something, maybe. It would be the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you have multiple grades in each classroom because there were so few teachers? Yes, and there was no kindergarten in the preschool in those days. So it was straight to first grade? Straight to first grade. Okay. And um, did you, so how many, how many grades were in one teacher's hands at a time? Like three or four? Three. 
Three? Oh. Wow. But as you got to high school, the teachers were more specialists. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So like math, one specifically for math and then English, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, what, uh, what was the tourist industry like? Do you remember it like in the fifties, let's say, uh, did it get busy in, during the summers like it does now or? Oh, uh, no way it's near as busy as now. Yeah. People was to come and stay all summer and bring trunks. Oh, really? So it was more of at like. the hotels. Oh, so they'd stay for an entire summer at a hotel. Yeah. Yes. Wow. And which ones were kind of the premier hotels back in the fifties, let's say? Oh, I would say the Spring House, maybe the Manistee, the Narragansett, certainly. And the Ocean View, that was the Wild Hotel. That was the wild one? Yeah. Did you spend much time there? Not until I was wiggle. <laughs> Which was what, what eight, 15? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, are we talking Block Island legal or, you know? We're talking Block Island legal. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right. I heard that they that hotel had the longest bar in the world at one point. It did, and when it burnt down, a group of us was fighting the fire with the bar area, and we thought we were doing a good job till we sent someone out to look around the corner and said, there's a big ball of fire, and it's coming right at us. Oh, my oh. gosh. So you were on the fire department then at that point? I've been on the fire department since I was 16. Yeah. Are you still on it now? I'm a lifetime member, but... Not very active. Gotcha. That's all right. He's there if we need him. Your moral support. Yeah. 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 And, you know, we we had a chat with somebody recently who uh, was telling us about uh, some of the other uh, fun places from the 60s, 50s, 70s. Um, And the Orchid Lounge came up. Did you ever spend any time at the Orchid Lounge? Uh, Yes. Okay. Can you tell us what it was like there? It was very different. Yeah, different. It was like anything goes. Okay. All right, and you knew uh, Red, uh, Rita DeTraglia, and John DeTraglia who owned the place? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I heard some funny stories about John that. was a character. That's what I heard. Rita is her also. <laughs> yeah, Rita had her little peep hole so she could look from the desk into a bar. That's what I heard. <laughs> That's oh true. Oh, my gosh, I saw the peep hole. <laughs> and it sounds like, you know, the rooms were just open upstairs at, at the Royal Hotel, and it was just kind of like if you needed a place to crash, you just... Go crash maybe sometimes. Yeah, amongst other things. Yeah, amongst other things. Oh yeah, we, yeah. you know we, yeah. we've grazed upon that yeah. Uh, yeah. possibility. I think that, we'll that, just we'll keep grazing. Yeah, we'll just keep you know yeah. dusting over that one a little bit. What about um what about the police force back then? Like how was it a one cop town or a was one it, cop town? That was it. There was just the chief of police or the const. What they call him? Was he the chief? I guess most days we call him the sheriff. Okay. The sheriff, kind of like the Wild West. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get in any trouble as a teenager out here? Shenanigans? Sometimes. Like what? Well, um, I uh, have several bad experiences with automobiles. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't agree with what you were trying to do. <laughs> right. Especially one time when I, I was push button dry plumber, and I pushed the button from D into R. Well, push in neutral first. <laughs> and where, that didn't work too good. Where'd the transmission end up? Behind you, about 30 the, yards? The uh, Universal in the area on the street. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, so then I, I remember you. I don't remember the dairy farm. I had been born, but I wasn't old enough to really appreciate the fresh milk. Um, but after the dairy farm, 
uh, ceased to operate. You is that when you took a job with the town? Uh, well, when the dairy farm was still operating, I was working too. I was mowing lawns, and then I did some carpentry with these two old carpenters. Yeah, Jim, Jim Matsfield and Gene Rose. Okay, a summer job building burger homes. Oh, I live in one of those. What is it called? They're called burgers. Is that the company that made the the lumber company at yeah. the time that made them? And they did they kind of ship those over as kits, like with all the stuff yeah, you needed yeah, to similar. put them together. But you had to do all the shingling yeah. and all that. Yeah. And that, yeah, so my house is a burger house. Oh, and right. this company came out. How many do you think they put up on Block Island? Well, we put up all of the original cutting cottages, I remember. So the cutting cottages were this were this prefab Pre- style, I guess you'd call it maybe, or a kit I, home? I think it, well, what do you think, Adrian? Was it more like a like everything just came for one whole cottage in a pile and then you put it together yeah. and did the okay. siding and the roofing? Oh. Wow. Mm-hmm. So so you picked up your carpentry skills there. Well, I don't my home carpentry skills. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> handy. Gotcha. That's hey, how, yeah. I'm a handy man. Yeah. That's <laughs> well, how, yeah. I know just enough to be dangerous. That's, yeah, that you know. would be me. <laughs> it took me a long time to know enough to know that I don't know enough. That's yes. kind of how I, you know, let good people do what they do. Yeah. You know, I'll, right. I'll barter. I'll give them the milk and they can put shingles on my house. There you go. So, yeah. You know, yeah. You know, and so then at some point, though, you, you do uh, join the roads department, I think. I joined the road department summer of 1958. Oh, so you'd been doing that all along as well. Well, this was after I had worked a couple of years doing the other work. Okay. So you seem to have kept pretty busy. Yes. Now, when you started on the roads department here in town in Ashoram, you were, were you low man on the totem pole? Well, it was... State roads and town roads. And was oh, it was still separate. It was all separate. So I, I think, uh, just for our listeners, I think that the state, and correct me if I'm wrong, Adrian, I believe at some point in time, and you probably know the date, the state found it to be just easier to give Block Island the funding to take care of the state roads out here. So each year, Block Island receives a stipend from the state in order to fund taking care of all the roads, town and state. So the state no longer has state workers. So were you a state employee at that time? No, because that didn't start to make sure to over the roads. Okay. Really. So you just handled town roads? Yeah, we have 11 miles of town road, seven miles were dirt, and we maintain all the cemeteries, the far, where the fire station is, and the doctor's residence. Okay. And then uh, at some point you became involved with the Nature Conservancy as well, didn't you? That was after I retired from the town. Okay. Uh, I worked 37 and a half years for the town. And so that what, what year did you actually retire? Uh, More or less. From uh, the town, that is. From the town. This man never it's retired. Yeah, right. <laughs> that would be about 20, 22 years or so ago. Okay, so late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Okay. Now... Now I worked 16 plus years for the Nature Conservancy maintaining the walking trails. And now, was that a paid position or was that? Yes, a- it was. Okay. Because I heard you vol- did a lot of volunteer work though as well. Well, I have, I have a group of guys that would volunteer every Wednesday to help me out on the trails. That's pretty. And there's just miles of, of Conservancy trails out there. Oh, yeah. Right. Especially on a hodgepodge. I mean, the lot. 
the Ratman Cray Hill property. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of trails down there. Yeah. You could get lost down there, bro. I have. We've actually had um we've actually had rescue calls come in. People lost down in those trails. Really? Panicking that they can't find their way out. Sorry, which trails are these again? What these are the lap is it Lapham? Is that another yeah, correct. Yeah. They're all the trails from Yeah. The Ratman property down to uh Sockham Pond. Yeah, it's on the east side of Corneck Road. Oh before you get to Sockham. You can walk. There's oh, is this whole, the maze? This is the maze. Oh, yeah, it's commonly maze. known as the maze. Yeah. See, there mm-hmm. we go. I just learned I didn't know that's what the proper name of those trails. I've always known it as the maze. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Um, um, I get it. I see yeah. what you did there. <laughs> maze <and> trails. <laughs> <laughs> so you know this island like the back of your hand. Is there anywhere on this island that any nook or cranny that is still undiscovered to you, or have you pretty much you know it all? I know. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm still discovering places, especially where some of these newer houses are. Yeah, yeah. land that wasn't cleared back yeah. 20 years ago or 40 years ago, and now all of a sudden you can get up there and actually... I pick up a new client now and then for house watching, and it's amazing how different a perspective you get of an area you thought you knew when you just go down a different driveway and to the top of a different hill, and you're like, oh, and then you look around, mm-hmm. and you're like, here's where I am. Yeah. It's pretty neat. The island never stops surprising you. But your now your relationship with the Nature Conservancy wasn't just work wise, right? Tell, didn't you uh, kind of? I think you were a founding father of uh, conservation of land on Block Island. Well, I was on the original board of directors of the Black Island Conservancy okay. in 1972, when Rob was formed this organization to preserve Ramon's Hollow. Oh, so here's one of the men responsible for that. Wow! We, everybody owes you a thank you for that. Yeah. And then did you donate any of your land or are you? Well, here's what I did. After my mother died, to sell the estate and not to have mortgage, have to mortgage the property, I worked out a deal with different conservancies. What's called open space. Yep. But it shouldn't be called actually non-development rights. I was selling non-development rights, which meant that the property could never be developed. Yep. It's particular acres. And over a year, I worked out with 22 acres, whereby I still owned the property and was considered farmland, open space. But no matter who I live to, it can never be developed. It's 22 acres. Wow. Well, that's a... Big step right there. That is, and is a lot. A lot of this, the land in front of Mitchell Farm on Corneck Road. Those the the open um the open fields between um, the cottages. Yeah, very very photographed spot. I remember because well, it's been a while now, but there used to be the the was it a couple of cows still down there, right? Yeah. How many was it? Two. Two. And what were their names? It was Sarah and Nelly and, and Daisy May. You would see tourist after tourist would pose there with under the tree. It's a beautiful spot. There's this giant tree overhanging the main road, the stone wall, and the cows would almost come up like it was a petting zoo. And people uh, would pose with those cows, and it's a cool spot. It I, really is. I absolutely took my picture with the cows. Did you? Oh, sure. Uh, of yeah. course. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, our band, uh, the band that I'm in out here, the Booze Beggars, we shot our album cover in front of the barn at Mitchell Farm. Right. Did they give right. you any money for that, Adrian? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it was uh, Joe Spray's 50th birthday party. That's right. Oh, nice. Yeah. 
Was that that was the first event I think you hosted at the farm, correct? It was it was a trial. And it, it went pretty well. Yeah. I've been to a few other events there though. You you recently was it last year's um the Nature Conservancy dinner? Was yes, that the there? Farm to table. Yep, farm to table, which if you've never been, it's pretty cool. And um they actually had the cutouts of the cows you yes. know, standing around. Them. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this lady brought two cutouts and put them on the frills <laughs> so people could have a picture taken. But the next day, she took the cutouts. She, yeah. didn't, she didn't leave them for you? No. Oh, man. And did and you've hosted a few. Have you hosted weddings there, too, I believe? I think I went to one there. About four. Oh, four weddings. Yep. Yeah. I can't remember which one I went to there, but that's common with weddings. I, you know. I, I was at, I DJed uh, Chris Willie and Jess, uh, yeah. Jess Willies, Jessica Willies. Pretty sure they didn't invite me, but, <laughs> but but we're better now. Everything's cool. You know, it was, there was a reason probably. So speaking know. of weddings at the farm, uh, I believe most of those weddings were catered by your friend, Kimberly. Yes. And in your quote unquote retirement, which doesn't sound actually like much of a retirement because you're a busy guy. Um, you end up uh, helping Kimberly out with catering. I do. Can you tell us about your relationship with Kimberly and how you started working for her? And uh, by accident, <laughs> <laughs> you got suckered into it, like, like all were, great jobs. They were catering on your farm, and she thought you were just a helper. Yeah, <laughs> you over there, come here, yeah. carry this tray of codfish. <laughs> Seriously though, how did how did you start working for uh, Kimberly? I uh, I guess don't know. One day she asked me if I would. Wanted to help a uh, wedding. And you, you need to just say yes. She, she needed a runner. A runner? To, to run stuff from the restaurant to the site. We were like, ah. All right. Which is great because, as you said, you've you you know you've had uh, you've great experiences with automobiles out here. <laughs> How many weddings do you think you've helped Kimberly with? Oh, I don't know. But she retired me this year. Oh, she did? On account of the big C. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. And she, yeah. she probably retired catering herself. You know, it's it's throwing a monkey wrench into a, a bunch of game plans this summer, yes, for sure. Hopefully a lot of things are just on hold, Yeah, you know, and we get out of this whole thing. But it definitely has changed, uh, you know, how things go, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> so um, you have an interesting role ever since I can remember. Um, when did you start being the official flag bearer for the 4th of July parade. Uh, we started that by accident. Walter and this guy named Wilfer and I were, were, march, were march behind the yellow kitten's throat. Yep. When the government had their kittens. And how we got to move up was one year the Marine honor guy that we had asked to come carry a flag cancel at the last moment. So Tommy Capelli asked Walter if we would be willing to move out to the front. So of course Walter told him yes, and then he asked me what. Then he told me what we were doing. Yeah. Uh, what, you, year, what year was that? Do you think? Well, it must have been twenty years or so ago. Twenty years. Or so. so the National Guard couldn't. Was it, the Honor Guard couldn't make uh, it? Yeah. yeah. And of all people, they picked you guys to step up and take their. Well, spot. we knew we carry a flag and we play f- and we have a fight on a drum. And, yep. and by Walter, we're talking about Walter McDonough. Yes, the uh, Irish, he, Irish. I don't know, dude. I'm, I'm going to call him a dude. He played the fife. He played the fife, and and he was uh, the uh, the uh, the staple at Mahogany Shoals right. forever. 
And you and Walter, Walter lived with you for a number of years. 22. 22 years. That's a number. Yeah. And uh, can you talk about a little bit with your, about your friendship with Walter? How was he as a roommate? Fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he slept late in the morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> While he worked late at night. And he worked late at yeah. night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did, like, he, did he ever just hang out and play the guitar around the house or the Oh, farm? yeah. He was to practice. Yeah. That must have been kind of nice having just music around. It was. Because you're a big music fan. Right. What do you like? What do you like to listen to? Uh, blues, country, jazz, most anything. Yeah. Oh, I'm uh, not much good at listening to rap. No? Okay, you don't want to listen to Dr. Westchester. Oh, I like Dr. Westchester. Oh, good. Yeah, I like him too. I've heard good things. <laughs> yeah. Um, so who are some of your favorite blues artists, or who have you seen in concert that's really impressed you? Um, I saw B.B. King. That's a good one. Yeah, uh, I sing several uh, blues artists. Uh, Buddy Guy. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And um, how about out here on, on Block Island? Who are some of your favorite bands that have come through the island? Uh, Room for Blues. Yeah. Neil and the Vipers. Right. The Booze Beggars, of course. Thank you. <laughs> Can't say I blame you. Uh, yeah. Cool. Uh, did you get to see Taj Mahal when he yes, played? Yes, yeah. that was great. Yeah, Dan, we had Dan Cahill on, and he uh, said that was one of his all-time yeah. Best, yeah. best bookings. And NRBQ, he said. Did you see that show as well at the Kittens? I did. Yeah. How was that one? That was good, too. Yeah. I kind of think we don't have to ask, did you see that show, because Adrian... Adrian goes to all yeah, the shows. He's out there. Yeah. He's he loves a pint of ale and a good music, and we see him. We see him out there all the time. And you, you know, you're no slouch on the dance floor either, Adrian. I've seen you cutting a rug, and you you got some moves. I got to say, and and the ladies, if I may, seem all too eager to dance with you. What's your secret? I don't know. Come on, uh, those are the best secrets. Uh, <laughs> it just happens. That's you why know. I missed about the. About the big C. Yeah. Yeah. Not being able to dance or see live concerts. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of, you know, I loved working the door every Friday night, and, you know, this summer it didn't happen, and, you know, that was sort of my uh, entertainment. While it was work, it was still entertainment, and love hearing the live music and seeing people like you come through the door, and, it, you know, it definitely, uh, like I said, hope it comes back. Well, because, you know, yeah. it will. Yeah. This, this yeah. thing will pass, and, you know, I'm, we're going to save a spot on the dance floor for you uh-huh. and your your harem of, of uh, ladies that follow you around and like to dance with you. So you'll get the front row, Adrian, when this thing all gets settled. Um, besides music, you have another pastime um, that I've, I'm aware of. And at some point, you started traveling around the country, visiting um, all of the major baseball stadiums and checking out games with a few friends. Tell us about how that started and who you went with. Uh, the first time it started with John Henry. John Henry Tripler. We decided we wanted to see Wrigley Phil. Ah. Okay. So we went to Chicago. And since then, we've been, I've been to John Henry and Johnny Mart. Uh, I've been to about 18 of the cities. 18. But we get to go and watch one ball game, and then we take in what the city had to offer. Yeah. Like going to the zoo. Yeah, check and, out the restaurants and, and the food restaurant. from that area. Yeah. 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 So it's not just about the baseball game. No. It's about getting to see a whole new area, and that's a yeah. good, that's a good excuse about, to go. It's a good way to explore the country. Yeah. yeah. What are some of your favorite cities that you've been to? I would say St. Louis was one of them. What'd you like about St. Louis? 
I went to Zoom, the tour of the Budweiser Brewery. <laughs> Free samples at the end. Did that three times yeah. in one day. And we, and we took a riverboat cruise up the Mississippi. Oh, wow, that's cool. Oh, nice. Uh, a little casino action? A little gambling? No, I'm not a gambler. Okay. Well, Which way when I bet I lose. Well, all right. <laughs> and um, when you went, you'd go, was it always with John Henry Tripler and John Mott? Uh, yeah, sometimes it would be one and not the other. Yep, yep. And um, how was John Henry Tripler, to, who has since passed? John Henry, for our listeners who don't know, uh, was a plumber out here and an amazing guitar player. He was actually, we credit him as being the godfather of rock and roll on Block Island. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a great guy. Um, how was it traveling with John Henry? Because that guy, he he's he's a he was fun. It was a lot of fun. Jokes, lots of lots jokes. Lots of jokes, lots of laughs. Yeah, John was a uh, was a big loss to the island. He, as you already said, great guitarist, um, and he was always ready with a joke at the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. He was just uh, he was just funny, you know. The- and uh, I, I'd ask him like, "Did you remember to drain that house?" He's like, "Um, which one's that?" Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem, no problem. Done, done, done. You know, and that's it. And then I think he would run and drain it because he forgot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I got that all taken care of, you know. But he was a good man. He and was. what was the name of the band? John Henry and the Liquid Plumbers. Yeah. Liquid yep. Plumbers. And yep. who was in that? That was John Grant on the keyboards. Yep. Rob Helterline on the bass. Yep. Uh, for, I don't know who the drummer was. Adrian probably remembers. R- Rob uh, Dalbert. Okay. I'm going to tell you a little okay. something about Adrian. Amazing memory. Uh, he'll right, Adrian. I... You can ask him about a lot of sports stuff, all kinds of trivia, and he will, you'll be amazed. Like, I can't remember what I had for lunch three days ago, and he'll tell you who pitched in the the third game of the 1974 World Series, you know? What was your favorite game you ever attended? Not not stadium-wise, but just, like, exciting event. Um... Watching the Bruins beat the Canadians in Montreal. Oh, nice. When Ray Bort was with them. You know, and I was about to ask that. Is it just baseball for you, or do you? Oh, what, no. what are your favorite sports to watch? Baseball, hockey. I like uh, college, women's college basketball. Yeah. Wow. Were you a UConn fan? Definitely. So I've I've seen my father went to UConn, and uh, when when he was alive, I, I've seen my father cry twice in his life when my grandfather passed away. And when the UConn men's team uh, won the NCAA championships for the first time, those are the only two times I ever saw my dad cry. He was that much of a UConn fan. Wow. Wow. And then the ladies came along and Rebecca Lobo was just like, and she grew up in the town next to me in Southwick, Mass. But anyway, I don't know what that has to do with anything (laughs) other than it just made me think of it. Um, So it probably goes without saying, but just to clarify, Red Sox fan? Yeah. Yeah. Not a Yankees fan. No. Okay. Who is your favorite uh, Red Sox player of all time? Uh, Kyle Yastrzemski. Me too. But my yes, fa- yes. But my favorite baseball player of all time was a Yankee when I was a kid. Who? Mickey Mantle. Everyone loved Mickey. Can't blame you for that one. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I was a Yaz fan too. I yeah. remember Yaz Day when he retired. I didn't go, but I was just watching it. And when he took that lap around Fenway, and oh yeah, oh man, yeah. My my favorite player. Wasn't a Red Sox either, even though I'm a Red Sox fan. Uh, I loved um, uh, Cal Ripken Jr. Oh, yeah. 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 And uh, he was great. Yeah. I went to his retirement game, his last game at uh, Fenway Park, and yeah. they really uh, gave him a standing a round of ovation, standing ovation. And Longest uh, 
he went the longest without missing a game, didn't he? Didn't he play the most consecutive? Yeah. Does he still hold that record? Uh, yeah. 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 I well, you ask him, he knows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Adrian confirms it's true. And yeah. uh, I just love the way he played the game. He didn't get all up in arms about anything. He would show up and he would play. And he was so great with the fans and the kids. He never got too big to, to yeah. hang out with the kids and talk to right. them. And he was just all around a good, you know, he was like the model, I feel, of an athlete and yeah. what they should be. And uh, he was just great. I agree. You know? Yeah. Uh, what other what other stadiums? Did you, uh, did you get to uh, down to Camden Yards? Yes. That, that was the second trip. Oh, really? Camden Yards, I guess, open. Yeah. And yep. what did you think of that place when it was brand new? I, I liked it when it was brand new. Yeah. But what what, what, what would, would be your favorite park if you had to pick one? I would go with, of course, Fenway for us. You have to. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then Wrigley Field. Yeah. Because the- it's in a nice old neighborhood and there's so much tradition where yeah. they still have the people sitting on the rooftops across the street. Yeah. I love the ballparks that are, and that's why Fenway, you know, it's, uh, it's in a neighborhood, you know, yeah. and it's, uh, it, it's just not the big new stadium freestanding out in the middle of nowhere. And it's just yeah. something about that, you yeah. know, it really is. All right. So we've heard tales, but never gotten details about the Monday night club. Is this something you're familiar with? Yes. Okay. So how did the Monday night club come to be? Where was it? Who, who did it and it, why? It was a butter bowling alley. Which is in what building? Uh, Seacrest. Okay, and it, was it still a bowling alley at the time? Mm, I don't believe so, no. Okay. And no. what year was this about? This was when Smuggers was to be the only place open year-round. Okay. But we were closed on Monday night. Oh. So, so Lou Gaffett started the Monday night club. And what was it? Just a loose, just having some friends over? It, well, it got to be like a bar, a bar on Monday nights. But how did that, did he go to the town and get a license? Uh, or? He, he had a, one of those lower license class, you know. Yeah. I, I, he had to get one. Like, well, they do have a club license, right? Yeah. Maybe okay. that's yeah. what it was. That's what it was. Okay. So it was just a social club kind of thing for, yeah. and who, who initially was at, at the first few meetings of the Monday Night Club? Yourself, Lou? You yeah, it was uh, several different people, people like Bobby Rose and quite a few of, of Lou's age group and younger. Was uh, Captain Nick hanging out there? Captain Nick hung yeah. out, yeah. Yeah. Did you hang out with Captain Nick a bunch? Oh, yeah. What, yeah. what was Nick like? We've heard some stories. He was a character. Yeah. I like Captain Nick's stories. We went to a word trait. Um, he and his friend Ted Robinson, Dean. Uh-huh. We once went to New York together. And what happened in New York? Well, I was up in the World Trade Center, and I put a Piper Cub is flying down below me. Oh, a plane? <laughs> you <know? laughs> you, oh, you saw a plane from up there down below you? Down below me. Oh, my God. So I said to Ned, I was a little nervous about it. I said <laughs> to Ned, I go, well, Ned, this is, doesn't seem right. And he said, don't worry, nothing will ever happen to these buildings. Wow. That was his reply at the time. Well, at least you got out of there okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is odd, really a strange thing to have happen. And then, yep. yeah. And then years wow. later, yeah. would have known. Hmm. Yeah. I wish Nick was right. Now, going yeah. back, the Monday Night Club was above the bowling alley, which at that time was already shut down. It was done. Right. 
I believe, and maybe you can help me out with this one, that uh, the alleys, the actual floors of the bowling alley were recovered and used to build a few bars out here. They were. Yeah, like, wasn't it Sam Peckham's when Lou owned that? Sam Peckham's Tavern? Was that bar made from the bowling alley floors? Yes. And what about the beachhead? I can't remember. No, I don't. But Peckham's definitely was. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool, drinking yeah. around a bar that used to be a bowling alley. Yeah, where else did you like to hang out back in the day? Oh, back in those days, it was smugglers. Now, of course, I always hung out at the OBI. What's? The building on the hill here. Oh, the one that Nick tore down? The one that Nick tore down. <laughs> the Block Island the, Inn. Yeah. <laughs> The collateral, as I like yeah. to call it, after Dan Cahill, he said he, Nick got a loan to, to build the Captain Nicks and use the building as collateral. And as soon as he got the money, he tore the building down <laughs> yeah. to, yeah. to make room to put up another building. Yeah, to put up the new one. Yeah. So there was a bar in that building as well? Oh, yeah. That was, that was uh, really the Rock and Roll Club before the Captain Oh. I didn't know that. Did you yeah, know that? I did. Wow. And I think uh, Lisa Sprague used to work there. She used to make pizzas there, she told me, yeah. back in the day. And so uh, Nick would have bands there as well. Wow. And uh, Randy Burns and the Sky Dog Band. The Sky Dog Band. I've heard of them. With Randy Burns. Yeah. Um, and so you knew Eddie McGovern then, too. In those oh, days. I knew him ever since he first came to the island. Yeah, can you tell us some funny stories about the Block Island Club or the you know the Block Island Inn? Do you remember any anything yeah, Nick, that sticks out? Nick had a habit of moving the bar. Nick moved the bar around. <laughs> he moved three times in one summer <laughs> during the summer. During yeah, of course during the yeah. summer. <laughs> yep, you got all winter, <laughs> but instead you move it. Uh, why was he moving it? Just because he he, he didn't find a better location inside the building. Huh. And sometimes in the winter we would go there. Uh, no heat. Yeah. You would be warmer in your work clothes outside and you were in Captain Nets. And then Dan was telling us that the wintertime uh, they would just, uh, you know, break up the furniture and throw it in the uh, fireplace <laughs> to keep the plague laying on it. They'd yeah. just be smashing chairs and throwing it in the yeah. fireplace. Wow. And was it true there was a dirt floor here at Captain Nick's at one point first? Yes. Wow. So not even uh, nothing, just dirt on the floor. Dirt. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, you don't need a floor to open and serve drinks. True. Some people no, would say. No. It was the least important of the, what you needed to, yeah. to serve drinks. Cups and booze. That was about yeah. it. Yeah. You don't want to worry about the floor until you've moved the bar a few times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the bar scene has changed out here as the island has grown, and yeah. uh, a lot of things have changed. Um, how do you feel about the direction the island's heading in, and what do you, you know, from your perspective? From my perspective, our industry, of course, is tourism, but we need a better class of people to come and enjoy the beauty and the nature yeah. of the island, and we have this past summer. Yeah, yeah, this it was, was a tough, a tough one. one. Yeah, uh, it was a tough. Tell class of the kids just coming and drinking and not riding around and not enjoying the island. Yeah. It seems to be a common thing we, everybody feels the same way when they come yeah. on the show that, you know, that's, it, it's not about necessarily how many people, although there could be too many To I mean, did you ever dream that that many people in one summer would be coming out here? No. It's, uh, I didn't either. 
You know, yeah. I didn't see it. Com- I, I, every year I would think this is it. You know, like this, we can't handle any more than this. And Adrian, what year do you think that maybe you started noticing the island changing and getting busier and more and more people coming out? Was oh. it a slow process or it, you? It was a gradual process, I would say, until the last three or four years. Yeah. So you think the last three or four years have been particularly busier than you notice it, yeah. Yeah. You think the extra ferries coming to the island have really played a role in that? Sure. Yeah. I I do too. I mean, we we had a new London ferry for years, but it was a one a day boat. It was three was it three hours to get yeah. here? Two and a half to three. Two and a yeah. half to three. Landed in New Harbor, not old harbor. And then that went away, and I think there was a brief time where we didn't have a New London ferry, and then, um, then, then, then they started the high speed New London, which runs several trips a day, and it just—I think—that made a huge difference in yeah. uh, who was coming, where they were coming from, and how often and how many people. Yeah. Um, I mean, the old New London ferry was—you uh, know—it left Payne's Dock, and um, it left like it had to make the train. That was the big deal. Like a lot of people use the New London ferry as the commuter and the train station in New London. Yeah. And it left. Like, it, there was no, like, oh, there's more people coming down the dot. It, it left, like, right on the dot. Wow. And, you know, but you saw a lot of people would make that jump. It would be backing away from the dock, and people would run down there. I watched a guy jump on it with a bicycle. Really? You know? Yeah. Stuff Did he you'd make never, it? Oh, yeah. Stuff you'd never get away with today, though, you <laughs> no. know? Like, now they got gates and chains and, you know, yeah. safety protocol yeah. everywhere. But uh, that, those are the, the good. You remember Buster? Oh yeah, yeah. He was the uh, engineer, right, uh, in the engine room on the on the uh, old Block Island. Uh, Buster actually worked a lot on the Sprig Cow. Oh yeah, Henry Hyde was his real name. Really, but everyone oh. called him Buster. Yep, but I remember him from the uh, from the New London. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and the and the boat used to dock. It was a big old bathtub style boat. It was called the Block Island, right. and you would hand chain crank the gangplank into a side door and the cars would drive actually down Payne's dock and down this ramp to get on and off of the ferry. And that's how, wow. you know, and had to turn around and then back them in and, you know, and, but it was pretty cool, you know, looking back at it. And it was Carnus wow. Dunn. Do you remember Carnus Dunn? Uh, oh yeah. yeah. I've been to his, uh, Oh, you've been shed. to the office, huh? I've been to his office. Yeah. He got, one time his wife whacked him in the head with a frying pan for too much time in the office. So wait, the, who's this? This is, uh, Oh, I guess uh, at the time, an old time around here, he's Carnus Dunn. He was friends with my family when we were growing up. And um, so he had a great little house on the west side. I actually, I actually got to live in that house. My daughter grew up, my first daughter grew up the first couple of years in that house. So so we lived in the house, and um, this is after Carnus and Hattie were yeah. gone. And he was married to the sweetest little uh, Vermont school teacher, if I have that right. What do you think? Am I correct on that? You're correct. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. She probably weighed about, oh, 87 pounds when she was soaking wet. She used to put rocks in her pockets to go out and take the laundry offline because it was so windy out here in the winters. And it would help hold her down on the ground so she wouldn't blow away. So Carnes had this little outbuilding that my grandfather was a member of the club. Jack Lang, you remember him? Oh, yeah. Could never understand him after three beers. He had a thick Scottish accent. So by the third beer, he'd be like, Richard, you said have a beer for you. I'd be like, yes, sir. <laughs> He's like, would you like a beer? I'm like, I'm 12. <laughs> and so the office was the secret, you know, little wow, little, uh, little moonshine out there. And uh, yeah, so he, it's funny. He, you, so you've been in the office. Yeah. Yeah. My grandfather was a member of the office club there. And, Interesting. You know, yeah. Well, one night, too much time in the office and Hattie had enough and she whacked Carnas with a cast iron pan. Ow. 
Jeez. But Carnus used to go down and tell Hattie he was going to watch the boat come in. And he would walk down the dock, and then he would slickly take a quick left into Mahogany Shoals and have himself a couple of drinks in there. Well, Hattie thought he was down the end of the dock. Because she would just sit in the car and knit or something. Yeah. And, and, you know, so that was his, like, secret. He'd park the car at just an angle so she couldn't see Damn. where he went once he got around the building. And that was the, that was the secret. The secret wow. way to sneak in a cocktail midday. It was very clever. Yeah. Yeah. Adrian, what other Block Island characters do you recall or or do you feel are of note out here? Well, of course, uh, back um, when I was a kid, Albion Slate in the corner building group. Albion Slate? Yeah, he was Wesley's dad. He was a carpenter. Uh-huh. Wesley's dad. And what, what made him so unique? Well, we, we have our own little club at the corner of Chapel Street. Another club? And hotel. This this was one we would go to on Friday afternoons. Okay, so oh, after work. never heard of the Friday afternoon. So club. you have a Monday night club, a Friday afternoon club. <laughs> well, it's, it's the was, office. This was for years. There wasn't anything open in the winter. Time. Nothing at sometimes. No, as far as salons went. Wow. So, so everyone would sort of create their own camaraderie by yeah. by opening up a spot where. Everybody yeah. could kind of gather after work. And you used to hang out at Albion Slate's club a little bit? A little bit, yeah. And who else was in that club? Oh, it was mostly all older people, like Al Norcher, Ed Norcher's dad. And oh. Bill Ball, um, Ed Brain, Edie's late husband. Yep. John Donnelly, when he was the home man out here. They they wished to meet and had drinks together most every day. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't just the Friday afternoon closes. But then, no, but I just but, got a, a new one on my list. If I had a time machine, where I would go, that would yeah. be pretty cool to go back and pop in there for an afternoon. I would, after work, on yeah, a Friday, yep, a Friday after work. It'd be pretty neat to go yeah. back and, and yeah. listen to that chit chat. I would say. You know, we were just talking, too, about um, we spoke with Andre Boudreaux a little while ago, and we were talking about his days at the Albion next door. Uh-huh. Uh, did you ever spend much time at Lou's Place, the Albion? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was a fun place. Too. That was a real fun place. I used to like it when the 007s played there. That Remember that band with Johnny Whitaker and uh, yeah. Andy and those guys? That was always a fun time. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, oh, gosh, what else? Uh, God, I feel like there's so many. What else should we know about you, Adrian? Um, what else should you know? Yeah. Do you got anything we don't know? You got most of it covered. Oh, all right. At set, um, I enjoyed my time when I was to work for a conservancy. Yeah. And the road department, but the conservancy was a unique challenge working out on some of those trails. Oh, yeah, because you got to lug equipment like miles down trails you can't drive. Yeah. And so was it a lot of it just like, were you like cutting brush by hand at, uh, at times? Or No, I have a wee whacker. And All right. A riding mower, but there were spots you couldn't get to. You could only get to with a wee whacker or a brush cutter. I think I remember you getting a flat tire on the mower so far back in there. and uh, Oh, yeah. I got stuck. <laughs> you got stuck. I got stuck about two miles. And to the uh, Crayhead property in a swampy area. Yep. Little, I, probably in the spring. Yeah. A little wet. So we took a chain and tie it to a tree. 
<laughs> you know, one of those old fashioned chain poles. Yeah, a little come Maybe along. We, yeah. Come along. Yeah. We put a come along on the tree, and that's how we got my mower. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know the island like the back of your hand. You've been everywhere. What would be your favorite spot? Like, if you were just going to go and sit somewhere in your car or walking, whatever, where, what, is your, what, is, what is one of your most favorite? One uh, of my most favorites would be down at Sandy Point. Yep. All the way down by the lighthouse? Not quite that far. Yeah. But by the rock, anyways. Yep. It's looking off at the ocean. It is. It's a beautiful spot. And yeah. I love the way the... So Sandy Point is the very northern point of Block Island for you listeners. If you've never been here, if you look at us on a map, you'll see... And the tide comes around one side or the other and fights the wind in there. It creates a sandbar, and sometimes the waves are crashing into each other because it's at the tip of the island, and they'll actually vault like 10, 15 feet in the air. And in the background, you have the lighthouse on one side, and you have the mainland on the other, and that is a, that is a really great, great spot. They used to, what do they call it, cow cove? Yeah. Well, being a cow man. Well, that's called cow cove because that's where the original sewers Randy. And what did they, how did uh, they get the cows? They had some cows on their boat. And did they unload them? Or I had heard they pushed them off and they swam to shore. Is, can but, cows swim? I never seen one. <laughs> I don't want to be the one to try it. <laughs> so they I, would, just, I wouldn't want to be the one to try and teach a cow to swim. No. no. So yeah. you think they just pull the boat right up to the beach and. As a, far as close as they could get. Yeah. And then get the cows off that way. Yeah. Oh, what about pots and kettles? I've always wondered why that's called that. Do you have any ideas? Um, no, Martha Ball would be able to tell you. Yeah. She's, she's on our list. She's on the list. She's we on need, the list. We, we hope we get her on here. Yeah. Adrian, I have a question for you. And this is kind of a broad question, but I don't know. What, what, what's your philosophy on life? Um, not to get stressed, too much stress. It's, I'm sorry. Let me, let me ask that again because I kicked the mic. Adrian, what's your philosophy on life? Not to get stressed out over things that don't concern you. I feel like you've got that pretty much licked. I, yeah. I don't I don't see you ever stressed out too much. Oh, I get stressed once in a while. Guess normal. Yeah. yeah. Well that's everybody should a little try, bit. I try to think positive. Yeah. Ever since my dad died when I was a little kid, I read a book by Norman Vincent Peale once called The Power of Positive Thinking. Yeah. And that became my philosophy for life. I, I like that. And and how do you use it to overcome? I mean, what what happens when things stress you out? How do you how do you keep how do you stay positive? Because I, I see you and you, you always seem like a pretty chipper guy. Yeah, I am most of the time. How do you do it? Tell me your secret. I don't know. <laughs> I guess try to think of a good side when even when it seems like a bad side at the time. Yeah, I try to always think. Well, I've got to do this for a reason. Yeah, I like that. I picked up a new saying from a show I started watching. I like it. I just say, "Not my pig, not my farm." I ain't gonna worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good, good one, Rich. I, I or, used it this morning. <laughs> or in Adrian's case, not my cow, not, not my, my farm. farm. Sorry, right. have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, Rich. Yeah, you can immerse yourself in other people's stress too easily. You know? Oh so yeah, you, you do have to. You're always there to help. 
especially uh, happy to help. Especially but. out here, I find because we are such a close knit community that, yeah. like you know, you you we, we do tend to take on each other's problems and and and, and not in in a, in a good way. Yeah, sometimes. it's good. It's good. Um, but it is because we you know we do care about each other. And but if I ask uh, someone, you know, what's the problem? How can I help you? And they say, uh, I don't know. I say, well, when you know, reach out and I'll yeah. come help you. But I'm not gonna, you know, you don't want to. Yeah step into their decision makings and, you know, and I think that's a good way to be, be there for people, but you know, you also got to know when it's not your problem, Yeah, but you're there to help, you know yeah. what I mean? But I don't want to think about it. I want to, I'll help. Don't want to be the decision maker. Yeah. That's what makes Brighton such a unique community is the familyness of the community. Yeah. And I, the fact that uh, they don't have mailboxes, is you get to see people at the post office to speak to it, you would never ever see. Yep. Yeah. You know, that's the friendliness of the island. Yeah. And um, what, uh, if if you had to say, you know, who, your circle of friends, who, who when you, when you need help or who, who do you call on? Who's your go-to crew? Well, I guess uh, Kimberly would be one of them. Yeah, definitely. And I know you hang out with uh, Rita Draper a bunch. Rita, and yeah. I hang out with Scott Fowler. Yeah. Alan McKay. Yeah, yeah. Alan's and, a nice guy. And yeah. my cousins, Marsha and Blake. Oh, Marsha and Blake, the Phelans? Yeah. You, Blake's your cousin. Yeah, see, my mother was a pain. And right. My mother was a pain. It's very difficult. So they were distant cousins. It's very difficult sometimes to keep track of the family trees out here and with the branches. They're all kind of some intertwined a lot of ways. Sometimes. Yeah, if you're in front of a large group and you say something, you're pretty much going to, somewhere along the line, you're touching on somebody's family nerve. <laughs> <laughs> That's you're true. like, that guy's a pain in my ass. And they're like, oh, you mean my cousin? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to be careful how you tread water. You do, yeah, you yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, tread yeah, lightly, yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Well, Adrian, this has been a lot of fun hanging out with you. I mean, it always is anyway, but thanks for uh, stopping by with us today and, uh, you know, talking to us. Yeah, I really enjoyed this conversation. Well, thanks for having me. I consider it an honor you asked me to be on. Well, please. The honor I don't think we could ours. do this. <laughs> I think on day one when we talked about doing a podcast and we started thinking about who we'd have on the show, you, you were up there on day one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for, definitely. You, the the short list, as they call it. Yeah. Um, okay, Adrian, uh, before we let you go, there's something we like to do with all of our guests, and it's uh, called the lightning round. So we're just going to throw a few questions at you. Don't think too hard about them. First thing that pops into your mind, uh, you know, shoot it back out to us. Uh, you game for that? Sound good? Sure. Okay. First question. What's the longest you've ever gone without going to the mainland? Um. Recent years, maybe three or four months. Who would you rather be stuck in a life raft with, Monica Shea or Martha Ball? Martha Ball. Okay. She's a neighbor. (laughs) Adrian, is it okay for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers? As far as I'm concerned. Excellent. (laughs) Have, Have you ever tasted soap? Yes. When I was a bad boy. (laughs) (laughs) You used an inappropriate word, maybe. (laughs) Okay. Which would you rather eat, a snake or an alligator? An alligator. And what country would you be okay never visiting? Probably Russia or China. Okay. All right. There we go. And, And one last question. 
can we hang out with you again sometime? Sure. All right. Cool. Yeah. Adrian, thank Can't, you so much for being oh, with us. You're welcome. All yes, right. thank you so much. Been great. Can't get enough, Adrian, for sure. <laughs> totally. Thank you. Email. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Adrian as much as we did. Uh, as always, feel free to reach out to us via email. Our email is twoguysonbi at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you use to check us out. So uh, that would be awesome, wouldn't it, if more people subscribed, Rich? Yeah. yeah. You know, whatever they can do would help us. Totally. You know? But we're doing good. We got a lot. Of, we're so grateful. We have a lot of listeners. We really, really are. We're happy uh, we're doing this, and I hope you're enjoying it. Yeah. We, we, we hope to be doing it for a long time. So thanks for listening. And uh, I guess that's it for today. Right, Rich? I think so. And right. if you love our show, please tell your friends. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again to Adrian Mitchell. And uh, Rich, I'm going to uh, check you later. All right. Catch you later. Thanks, Mark. Okay, dude. Move with fruit and a doo-doo-doo. Feeling pretty okay. In the Bahamas, wearing pajamas 24 hours a day. Two Guys on Block Island is recorded live at Captain Nick's Rock and Roll Bar. Music courtesy of the Booze Beggars. All segments produced by Rich Trethaway and Mark Scortino. See you next time, Cap. Cap.